0: The
1: Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddihy with Nissan on News
0: Talk. I'm joined now by the leader of the Green Party and the Minister for Transport, Environment, Climate and Communications, Eamon Ryan. Minister, you're welcome to the show. What more can you tell me about this investment in active travel infrastructure that you've announced today?
1: Well, it's it's the budget allocation for this year. It's about 360 million euro. About 65 million of that going on greenways and about 295 on footpaths, cycleways, better traffic management to to make it easier and safer for people to walk and cycle. And what's really starting to happen is we've been scaling this up since we came came into government. It's taken a bit of time. We employed an additional 250 engineers in councils right across the country. Uh, It took time to kind of build up their capacity and to get the pipeline right. But that's happening now. We're starting to see is really good projects coming through people will see it on the ground in their city in the town in right around the country and it is transformative it it, it is if we keep in this direction and keep doing this year in year out what we'll see is in my mind ireland going the way other countries the likes of the dutch or the danes have done there's no reason we shouldn't do the same where you make it safe where you make it really attractive Mm. to be able to walk and cycle the numbers come. Every time we do we put in a good quality facility, you see a 50% jump in the numbers. So that's what we're doing. We're investing to really make a shift and a switch to, to make it safer and better to walk and cycle. And that's what the figures today set out. How we're going to do that.
0: And to what, to, what, what is the breakdown in that budget or the planned breakdown between the development of, of new infrastructure or simply upgrading existing infrastructure?
1: You do have to upgrade existing because, you know, repair and maintenance is actually probably the most important first thing you do. But I think, I mean, if we take even just some of the cities, just to give examples of some of the projects people start to see. Start in Dublin. um, Well, firstly, and I think this is correct, what we're doing is focusing first on some of the key spines or, or the key amenity routes we have as well. The likes of the Royal Canal Cycleway, the likes of the Grand Canal, the likes of the Dodder Greenway the Liffey and the coast. So if if you get those kind of, because there's already space in those locations, it's multiple benefits, multiple uses. And I think at the same time in Dublin, we're going to have to do a major new traffic management system in the city centre to to really make sure we don't miss this opportunity coming out of COVID mm. where the traffic hasn't come back in, in quite the same way. People are not still remote working. So, to really grab the space to to make it safer to walk and cycle. So, that's the big development. Uh, now, if you go down, yeah. I mean, I just briefly, if I can just give you a flavor in each of the cities, because it's important. In the likes of Cork, you know, heading again along the Lee on either side, through the Dunkettle, out towards Carrick Tool, out towards Middleton, people will know that side of the Cork County, and same on the other side of the Lee out through Monkstone Passage to, to Carrigaline Line and, and um, Crosshaven, using kind of there, the, the likes of that, old railway lines as a way of kind of be able to put in high-quality infrastructure. In Galway, I mean, there's a lot of controversy, people discuss talking about Galway traffic at the moment, but the Salmon Weir Bridge will go in this year, or is being funded this year, which will kind of fundamentally be part of the kind of transforming the city centre in Galway as mm. a start to what we need to do, huge change. Okay. Same in in Waterford, the Bilbury to the city centre, Greenway. So extending the existing Waterford Greenway right into the city. And in Limerick, connecting the three universities, connecting uh, UL, the University of Shannon uh, and Mary I. And in doing that, transform the centre of Limerick. So I just cite those as kind of because they're they're projects that are going to start on the ground this year. Some of them will take a year or two to build but they will be transformative and that's what we're spending money on.
0: A a lot of the greenways uh, that have already been developed have been developed on old railway lines and you mentioned uh, more development in that regard, for example, in Cork. I mean, is is that the priority for this government to convert old railway lines to greenways?
1: No. I mean, I think greenways, as I said, will be about 65 million out of the 360 million euro budget. So most of it will be reallocating road space and creating safer environment on the street. Um, no, but what to do a, with uh,
0: old railway lines?
1: Well, some of them are reopening. Like we're, re- we're reopening the Foynes line at the moment, the Limerick to Foynes line. Uh, and we're due to publish a major uh, strategic rail review in the coming weeks. We're waiting for the Northern Ireland Assembly to return because it's an all-island study, so we have to wait uh, a Northern administration. But when that comes out, I expect it to support the likes of the Western Rail Corridor, uh, and I see that not just as that section from, from Athenry to Clare Morris, but actually think about it this way you know, we have a railway line effectively from Ross Lair, it's not used, it's closed yeah. to Waterford, and, and then runs from there to Limerick and, and from there up to Ennis and up to Galway. If we put in those sections, the missing sections, let's say from Ross Lair to Waterford and from Clare Morris to Tume, what you have then. Is a, what I call a Western or uh, an Atlantic rail corridor. And that connected to all these deep water ports where we're going to see a lot of economic development. And in my mind, it's using that as a spine for economic development mm. with using rail freight and using connections to the ports as a way of really building up. Because that facility, if we were to build it today new, yeah. it would cost us billions. You couldn't do it. it's not been used in effect. Like if you look at that Waterford to Limerick line, it's it's never really used. And the question we face as a state, do we shut that down and turn it to Greenway? No. I think we revive it and we make it the centre of a more balanced development of the country where the West lifts on the back of that sort of rail infrastructure.
0: That's where we're going. Can I add, before we move on from from all of this investment, you used the phrase about making cycle attractive. And I'm not sure you meant attractive in this way, but I want to ask about the attractiveness of some of the infrastructure. Is there a better way of segregating the already existing cycle lanes from roads that are not those hideous ones screwed into the road surface?
1: Yeah, we're about to sign off on a new manual. It'll it'll go out in the next few weeks because I agree with you, I think, I mean, they have a role. They have a purpose. They do. Have I know. I, 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 I,
0: I and they're they're better than nothing, but they're yeah. still really ugly.
1: I agree. Uh, well, in, in sometimes if they're overdone, I think it, it depends how they're how mm. to put in. But the new manual does. It is about segregation. We are moving in towards in that sort of Dutch type style where you do want to save space. Because to be honest, what we need is. It's people who are, who are maybe not used to cycling or who are nervous about cycling. We need to make it safe for them. We, we need to make it safe for our kids to go to school first and foremost. Like 30% of the traffic every morning is, is kids being driven to school. If we created a safe route to school for everyone, it would actually work better for everyone because then you have 30% less traffic and then, it, then, everyone, then it's a virtuous circle you're towards. So that will be done. The, the design will do, it's a slight lip, um it's not a huge kind of you know it's not a completely segregated mm. it won't have the wands it's just have a slight curb both between the road and then the pedestrian so it's a separate cycling piece of and i keep examining i'm going very local now my own area clansky i don't know if people will see it. it's been built at the moment um it, it, it's it's it is segregated but it's not that expensive and it's not that big in intervention terms you're not putting bollards everywhere are you not putting wands everywhere all right. That's, okay. that's the way we're going.
0: All right. Uh, OK, I know plenty of people who will be ha- happy to see the back of some of those swans. Anyway, I, I want to ask you as well, um, Minister, about I suppose a number of uh, scandals the government finds itself mm. embroidered. Do you agree with the Taoiseach when he says that it is sound policy to fight tooth and nail to avoid paying people back nursing home charges that were wrongly taken from them?
1: Well, it's the language here in terms of fighting tooth and nail and, and things wrongly taken. Um, I think on this issue, I do agree with the T. And in in my understanding, we discussed this obviously at cabinet the other day, and, and obviously it's it's rightly a subject of public debate. There was never an Aractus or any government decision that said people who are in private nursing homes that the state would 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 cover all that cost. So that that wasn't that kind of you know the framework said they're rightly taken away from people. Well. But that wasn't, the Oireachtas never agreed that approach. And for good reason, I think. And part of the reason here, like fighting tooth and nail, I mean, one of the things you fight tooth and nail for is we do need as much money as we can to provide for the needs you know it's not as if you're, you're looking to squirrel it away some for some other nefarious purpose like you need money and always in government it's about issuing its, it's priorities of thinking like you know god we have to pay public social welfare and we want to pay our our, our schools so we we got to build new hospitals so it's not as if look when you're deciding where you spend money you also in part the job in politics is trying to make sure you the you have the money for the whole range of different needs that exist so this, was dis- there,
0: so this was a decision based on financial priorities? I don't think so. No, well, that's uh, what you've just uh, said. You've just said that like, if you've got money, you've got to decide what you're going to spend it on. That, that's a decision based on that. financial there priorities.
1: I mean, you, you could... Any government, every three or four months of government, you, you get a list of all the legal cases that you're facing. And, and to be honest, it's many pages. It's 20, 30 pages of here's all the legal challenges where people are saying you should pay this or you should do that you're not you you are you are trying to make a best balanced decision around and that's what the budget does i suppose more than anything else here's how much money we're going to give to health here's how much to social welfare here's how much we raise in tax and so on and it is a prioritization like you don't it's not a limitless path so you do have to try and make you know make ends meet i guess and and do that in a way that is just as to what's happening in the legal and cases, Are you confident
0: that you are currently, that this government and previous governments have done it in a way that is just?
1: Oh, God, well, you know, listen, no, everyone can make mistakes. And everyone could have a criticism and have a different view in saying you should have put more into social welfare, or I should put more into health, or I should put more into defence or whatever. You know, the people have different views, right? Well, you shouldn't
0: have fought cases all the way to the steps of the High Court and then settled just at the moment before discovery so that people wouldn't realise the liability the state was exposed to and it wouldn't become public.
1: I agree with you. I do think sometimes I look and think, God, uh, you know, what is the legal approach, the right approach? But but that, to a certain extent, you, you, that is a judgment call as well in its own right. And um, how far you go in in any legal case, you take the advice from the Attorney General, and you. But but you're not sitting. Advice. Down there thinking,
0: but it's that's yes. the key thing: advice, not instruction. And it just sounds an awful lot like successive governments took instruction from the Attorney General. You, I know, you're but you're, but you're attorney entirely General's, free to take I that advice and and ignore it and say, listen. This might be the prudent thing to do legally, it might be the prudent thing to do financially, but the morally just thing to do is not fight this to the steps of the High Court.
1: Well, yeah, yes, but um, and I wouldn't want to blame. like I wasn't when I was saying there you take the advice of the Attorney General, not putting the blame on them. It is ultimately government has to decide and that, and that is with the advice of the Attorney General. Um, but but that isn't you know that could always be characterised. You make a decision, or you accept or follow advice in terms of what legal course you take? People could frame that as oh you 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 don't care for that sector or that person, and I think sometimes that doesn't represent the full truth. You may have a uh, you may view that actually well in this instance I I don't think I particularly don't think it applies because I don't think anyone believed or said or, or argued or decided that we should make all these payments in this particular category. So it wasn't as if you were going against something that you decided to do or or that anyone had decided we should do The Oroctus had never said we should make those payments. So so So
0: these people are not entitled to compensation? No, no. So why why settle those cases? Because I suppose
1: they felt the risk was... That uh, the cost facing them, if they, uh, it, and the manner it went, was in the small, uh, ra- relatively small. Whereas the cost, if you, I would imagine, uh, did well, win a, the case a, there's a,
0: there's a, yeah. But why wouldn't you win would it? Would be would would run into the billions. Yeah, why wouldn't you well, win it? You've just told us these people are not entitled to it. Well,
1: that's where you come down to. That's where you do take legal advice, and you're making judgment calls in terms of uh, what the, whether you take a case or not. But. But that—if the, the, if, if the government's
0: legal advisers were as confident as you are that these people were not entitled to compensation, then they would go to court.
1: Yes, and, the cost uh, uh, of going to
0: court and winning is zero. The cost of settlement <laughs> is not.
1: But uh, but you know, I I've, I haven't been in courts that much—only once or twice, actually, in media issues rather than anything else. But one thing is certain in courts, and, and this is one of the strengths of our country. You never know in a court what way a, court, a judge or a court is going to settle. There is that uncertainty, and that's part of the strength of our country because we have an independent judiciary. It's not as if you it's an absolute certainty in any court decision, and that's why you do take legal advice.
0: Eamon Ryan, Minister for Transport, Environment, Climate and Communications. Minister, thanks for joining us here on the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Connolly. With Nissan. Weekdays from 4. On News Talk.